Today is ours. Let's live it. And love is strong. Let's give it. A song can help. Let's sing it. And peace is dear. Let's bring it. The past is gone. Don't rue it. Our work is here. Let's do it. The world is wrong. Let's right it. The battle is hard. Let's fight it. The road is rough. Let's clear it. The future fast. Don't fear it. Is faith asleep? Let's wake it. Because today is ours. Let's take it. Hey, beautiful people. It is your girl, Arielle. Thank you so much for joining me on episode 23 of Stay With Your Breast Podcast. Um, finally made it to an episode this year. I've been taking my time, relaxing, quarantining like I'm supposed to be doing. But I'm so grateful that we have an amazing interviewee, an amazing guest, Ms. Brandy Clay, on today's episode. So please stay tuned. We talk about everything from education to politics, of course, the Biden-Harris, the duo, and so much more. So make sure you tune in and make sure you follow and share. Before we get into it, I do want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your continued support. And thank you, of course, to all of our essential workers and everyone out there trying to just keep it together, okay? Keep it together and stay strong and stay safe. Okay, be well and be careful. So let's get into it. But again, thank you and make sure you follow us at Say With Your Breast Podcast on Instagram. So at Say With Your Breast, and you can also check us out at www.sayitwithyourbreast.com. All right, let's do this. As an accomplished visionary leader in education with years of teaching, leading, and program development experience, Ms. Brandy Clay, Master of Education, has significantly contributed to the 21st century education system. Ms. Clay has been an educator in Title I schools since graduating from Dillard University in 2012. Her expertise lies in grant and curriculum writing, teacher development, as well as piloting educational and community outreach initiatives with academic boards and community stakeholders. The goal-driven educator possesses the passion necessary to improve the quality of education for all students as she continues to contest the systematic challenges that plague today's educational system. Currently, Brandy is working on her doctoral degree in instruction and curriculum with a concentration in organizational change from Baylor University. Brandy desires to improve the educational experiences of minority students as she continues to develop the Educational Dreamer nonprofit and the EDD Series LLC website and educational consulting firm. When she's not enlightening her students or challenging the educational system, Brandy enjoys shopping, traveling, and being an active member of her beloved sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. 
So just earlier this week, Brandy announced that she officially was accepted into the last phase of her doctoral program at Baylor University. So that is where our conversation starts. And make sure you follow her. So I'm at Baylor University. I am earning my doctorate of education degree. So um, when you start the program, you're actually a doctoral student. Um, you, do, you do not become a doctoral candidate until you go into the last phase of your doctoral program. And that is where I am now. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so I only have three academic classes left, and then I have to defend my dissertation. So at this point, I've already um, defended uh, three out of the five chapters, and it's been approved. So I just have to continue writing so that I can get Chapter 4 and 5 done and hopefully graduate this time next year. I will be Dr. Clay, so I'm so excited about that. That's awesome. Well, congratulations because that's a commitment. And oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my God, so much writing. So was this something that you knew was, like, part of your your trajectory the whole time, or was this – something that just came along with being an educator, you decided to keep going? Like, how did you know this was the path you wanted to take? I have no idea. <laughs> I just, um, once I graduated from my master's uh, program, I mean, no one in my family has went to college. So all of this has been completely new territory, not only for me, but for my family. Yeah. And so I've been very grateful for the different opportunities that have come my way because now I'm more knowledgeable about the whole education, post-secondary education opportunities that are out there so I can help my little cousins as they try yeah. to navigate if they want to go to college. But I was just looking into what I would possibly want to do in, a, in the future, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily wanting to be in a classroom or working for a school system. So I said, I mean, I'm not married. I don't have any kids yet. So I said, I might as well just see if I can actually complete the program. Right. And it's been very tiresome, um, a lot of sacrifices. But thankfully, like I said, uh, I have about nine months left. Um, we actually have to complete the program eight weeks before graduation. Wow. So in May, I will already know if I'll be able to walk and graduate in August. So I'm extremely excited about that and seeing what I could possibly do with this degree to further create an impact, not only in this community, but wherever I may go. Right. And that's, that's I think, a hard part for a lot of students is just seeing the bigger picture because they only see, right. you know, a lot of times it's very narrow. It's, you know, we need these grades. We need this test. We need you to sit this way. You know, like it's very in the moment, but there's a bigger yes. picture for, for all of that sacrifice. And sometimes, like you said, it's uncomfortable or it's new, um, but it's definitely an example for them if you just dedicate yourself to something, you know, how far yes, it can, can take you. Right. Right. So before we dive into some more about you, we're going to play a little Would You Rather. Is that okay? Yes. It's kind of, I I tried to make it a little educational focused. So the questions are kind of teacher friendly. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So the first one is, would you rather grade a standardized test or paraglide? Oh, 
Well, I definitely would never want to grade a standardized test. So whatever the other option is, that's what it's always going to be. Because I don't think that the standardized tests are as effective as people think. Yeah. Um, the standardized tests are just a thing of making sure that whatever is being taught in Michigan is the same thing that is being taught in Lafayette, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. It's trying to create an even playing field. But I think what we're still missing is that equity part. Um, making sure that we're having educational opportunities that are equal and beneficial for all racial groups. So standardized tests don't necessarily do that and they don't show how smart or, you know, how much our students have actually learned in the classroom. So I definitely would not want anything to do (laughs) with that standardized test. (laughs) And that's an interesting point. Do you think that Louisiana is, is in let's say in the next five years, do you think we're going to ever change our standardized tests to become more equitable or have we kind of gotten stuck? You think? I think we're at the point where we're stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, Standardized tests just necessarily benefit one group or what we see as the major group throughout the United States. But what we're starting to see is um, our minority groups are becoming the majority. So I think that the education system needs to revamp our curriculums as well as our standardized uh, tests. So uh, looking at the vernacular, making sure that we're looking at what is being taught um, through K, uh, K through 12 across the country in order for it to show true data yeah. to see if our children are really gaining um, that educational attainment or knowledge that they need in order to be successful at the next grade level. Right. That's real. Okay. I got another one for you. Okay. Would you rather year-round school with weeks off or traditional school with summers off? I think the summers off would be better just because it gives students the opportunity. People don't understand. Kids are still kids. Even if they're doing virtual learning at home, I think it's very important that they have that time to be creative. They have that time to run outside and to play, to still be a child. Mm -hmm. Um, Even as adults, we need breaks when we're learning. Uh, Even if it's at work or if we're still in school, the mind needs to be able to rest and comprehend what we just learned so Mm -hmm. that we can then be able to apply it. So I definitely think that going to school, having breaks in between and having the summers off is still very healthy and beneficial for our children. I like that. Yeah, I knew it. I know as a kid, look, looking forward to summer break was what kept me going. <laughs> what? Come on. I need my three months. Okay, last one. Would you rather chaperone the school dance or sing Lil Wayne karaoke in front of your students? I would do both. That's not even even an issue with me. I've already done karaoke. No. Um, I've already danced at pep rallies. I already show up to the dances because I want to see these outfits that they have been talking about (laughs) for weeks on end in class. I want to see if they're really with the girl or the boy that they Ooh, that's a good one. Right. (laughs) So I'm both. Neither neither one of them are going to be a great sacrifice for me. I'll do either one of them. (laughs) That's so cute. Your students (laughs) must love. So you're teaching now? You teach now? Yes. I teach grades 9 through 12. 9 through 12. So what do you teach yes. all of those grades? 
So I teach a course. It's fairly new um, to Louisiana, especially in Lafayette Parish. When I moved back from Houston, um, the school that I was working at, the principal wanted to pilot this program. So it's new in this particular area, but it's not necessarily new across the 50 states. And oh. it's called JAG, Jobs for American Graduates. And the purpose of the program is to find those kids who are going to be most at risk of dropping out of high school and oh. helping them to identify what may be their social and emotional barriers, including their academic or behavior barriers that are going to prevent them from being successful in the classroom. So what do I need to do to help you so that you can focus on what the teacher is teaching you? That may be therapy with a social worker, that um, may mean helping you to find a job, so teaching you employability skills, that may be helping your mother find a job or housing so that you you feel safe and comfortable so that you can come to school and be able to learn. So our overall goal with this program is making sure that these students are able to remove these barriers and that they're able to graduate high school within four years. And then I stay with them a year after they graduate to make sure that they're in some type of two or four year college or university, they're in the armed forces, or they have uh, obtained some type of um, employment with whomever but we, well, I say whomever because let's say they just have a job at Burger King even right. if they have that job and they're able to earn money we're still working with them that they'll be able to get a job where they can build a career so we're thinking about long-term goals and aspirations so that they can be successful that's amazing so this did not yes, exist in it. Lafayette Parish prior to you bringing this to the state and bringing this to your school and saying, look, we need this. Our students need this. Is that how that works? Like, how did you get that to happen? So the principal that I started working with, um, he just started Googling like different types of program of how we could really help our students. Uh, I was at Acadian Middle School. Okay. um, And he really wanted to be able to help students in Lafayette Parish, specifically on the north side. Yeah. As we see that a lot of those students are faced with a number of barriers, especially poverty. So it makes it very difficult for them to learn inside of the classroom. So I piloted the program originally on the middle school level, but as my children started to progress academically, I followed them. So Mm -hmm. that's how I ended up on the high school level. So some of these families and these students, I've been knowing them since sixth grade. Wow. So it's been a very much so pleasure being able to, you know, grow with their families, grow with them. You know, sometimes I get invitations to Sunday dinner because (laughs) I'm a part of the family now. I just had my first group that graduated class of 2020 and then so my next group will be this year class of 2021 and it's going to be really sad to see them go but then at the same time very exciting to see what cause or what a change that they're going to create within this community or this country within this world right that is amazing so have other schools picked up on this yet Yes, so we actually, there's actually a program at Karen Crow High School, uh, there's one at Karen Crow Middle, Broussard Middle, the program that's at Broussard Middle specifically focuses on special ed students, okay. so they teach them even a greater set of skills, a greater set of life skills, and there's also one at a Lafayette High School, so uh, mm-hmm. the new superintendent, um, she came in and she said that she saw how great this program was and wanted to keep it, and we have a great seat 
PE director with Lafayette Parish that has really been helping us to extend this program across Lafayette just to make sure that we're catching as many students as possible and really decreasing the uh, wow. high school dropout rate for Lafayette oh my Parish. God, this gives me chills. This is amazing. Yes, I love the program. <laughs> that is amazing. Like you really, I know here in New Orleans, there um, are schools that are dedicated to you know, just focusing on, well, you know what, maybe if you can't do so great here, let's just make sure you get a job. But it's really nice to see that the goal is to kind of mold both of them together. Like, yes, we want to make sure you're set up for employment, but let's get you through school and make sure you're, you know, as confident as you can be. And we've done as much as we could do. I think that's so dope. So kudos to you and all of the the teachers on board and and the team members on board and all of the leadership. Because one thing I do know from being a school social worker, um, leadership is so integral to progress. Right. It is so integral that your team is on the same page and your leaders actually believe in what you're bringing to the table. So that's yes. amazing. Um, so one of the things that I, I heard that was going on in Lafayette, I'm not locally, I'm not there anymore. My family, you know, parents are there and everything, but mm-hmm. my professional life isn't there anymore. But um, I saw that there was a big to do about the recreational centers, which for me, I was like, whoa, 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 what is going on? You know, especially on the north side of town, like one of my mm-hmm. first my, one of my first jobs was teaching dance at MLK, you know, and like right. all of our summer school experiences. I mean, summer camp experiences at all of the parks and especially on the north side of town. Like that was where you grew up and you met everybody like that's okay. where you learn. So what can you give us an update on like what is going on with that? Because I saw you post about it as well. Um, well, the issue is uh, with our new uh, mayor president, Josh Guillory, I think his biggest thing is he wants to be able to um, direct or lead Lafayette as if it's a business. And in all um, cases, I can possibly see that as a leader. But a, a lot of times what leaders forget is you still have to keep in mind empathy and respect for the people in which you're taking care of and leading. While we want our economy to grow, we want to bring different businesses here, and we want to be able to uh, continue to develop the city, we need to be mindful of the people that are in here. Nice. And I'm always preaching about, you know, education is the foundation for economic growth because it is. Right. If we are not willing to invest in our children and in education, we are not going to see our cities continue to develop and grow and prosper and eventually get to that economic point that you want as a leader or even as a community because we all want our city to grow and to be the best that it possibly can be, but I think people forget it starts in very small places like Mm -hmm. a public school classroom, like a rec rec center where students have the opportunity to learn and grow grow um, mentally, physically, spiritually in these places. It's safe uh, places for our students in order to be creative, like you said, teaching dance or learning dance, um, them being able to play basketball, them learning how to swim. Um, All of these opportunities are a part of that equitable resources, making sure that every child has these opportunities, these life experiences, so they can grow up to be well-rounded adults that want to stay in this area and continue these traditions 
so that our city can be able to thrive. So I think that he was just looking at it. Well, I know that he was looking at it from a business standpoint. Oh, these parks are not making money. Well, in this particular instance, because of COVID, no, they cannot make money in which to cover any type of debt or any type of bills that they may acquire because we cannot hold social gatherings. We right. cannot have dance uh, classes. We cannot have um, mentoring groups or reading classes at this time right. or allow people to come in and play basketball. That is deemed unsafe as we right. try to fight against COVID-19. So I think that cutting these rec centers, he didn't realize the amount of people not even students, but the amount of people that right. use these rec centers and how beneficial it was to the community. I don't think that he was ready for the fight that he endured um, for, or the pushback from the community. Right. I think that is when he really saw how important these rec centers were. And not only that, uh, some of these rec centers uh, are going to be voting polls. They're voting sites. Mm. So now... Now aren't you you're already taking away these this place, the safe haven that a lot of our students use where they feel safe, where they're learning, where they're growing. Right. But now you're taking away people's right to vote. Right. Because if I don't have a vehicle, how can I get to the next polling station? Right. Right. Wow. And we're starting to see that very much so in low income and minority communities where a lot of these resources are being taken or they're moving poll sites in which to discourage minorities from voting. Right. But we have to know just as much as we fought for these rec centers to make sure that they're staying open, just as much as we've come together to create solutions so that they can stay open, we need to make sure wherever we may go that we are voting so that we can have the correct leadership in positions where they will not even think about cutting right. so many um resources for our youth right there's no way i mean i don't think that much has changed where rec centers are no longer important and Correct. you know as much as we we complain and sometimes say well kids stay inside too much now no kids actually do want those safe places to go to where they yes. can have fun as kids and not just for the children but my mom for example she uses the rec centers all the time for a lot of her big church events you know, like she'll use the rec center to do, you know, her Christmas event where she gives out toys and, you know, whatever she's collected throughout the year. So I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't mess with the rec centers. <laughs> okay. Right. Don't mess with them. Man, lot. It's an integral part of the community. And I think, too, um, as someone, he wasn't, he's not in touch with all of the cultures, the ethnicity yeah, groups, both sides sounds of town. Like it. Because if he was, then he could see how important these particular rec centers were to the communities right. and why there was so much pushback, which I'm so glad as a community we got together and said, we're not willing to take this. We Absolutely this. not. Absolutely. I, yeah, that's Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, like everything yes. is at the rec center, yes. everything. Um, yes. And then, so being from Lafayette, you know, um, it's a very unique place, in my opinion. I think people, even just coming two hours away in New Orleans, it's a completely different world. I miss yes. so much of, of Lafayette all the time. Like, when I go home, I'll just ride around the city just to see stuff I hadn't seen in a long time. But we have our unique phrases and everything. So I have another little this or that kind of game for you. It's not a okay. lot, Okay. <laughs> So it's a lot of what we, we say in Lafayette. I noticed um, in your advocate, um, in the in the advocate, the interview that you did, one of the phrases you say you use a lot is Mela. 
which is funny because I say it all the time. And my boyfriend, he's from Baton Rouge, and so he teases me all the time. And he tries to say it, but you can't say it like I say it. Like, you know, it's right. not the same. Okay, so we have a this or that. So do you say get down or get out? No, I definitely say get down. <laughs> when, when I lived in New Orleans, I graduated from Dilly University. So when right. I lived in um, New Orleans, my friends would always say, um, get down where? That's hilarious. Okay, do you say fix the groceries or put the groceries up? Well, I say save the groceries. Ah, save the groceries. Okay. So that's another thing that I used to get teased for in New Orleans because they would be like, "What are we saving? The, what are we saving them from? What are we saving them from?" <laughs> yeah. So yes, I save, say the save the groceries. That's funny. I'm trying to remember now if I say save the groceries or I think I say put the groceries up, which I think is funny too. But okay, another one. Do you say "ah share" or do you say "ah share"? Oh, oh, sure. <laughs> of course, yeah. Asha. Sure. And that's my that's kind of my giveaway, especially when I worked in in the school because I worked um initially I worked K eight, but then we had a wonderful counselor come in, so she took middle school and I had primary. And I would always uh-huh. say, "Oh, Shad, look how cute! Oh my gosh, like look at the little <laughs> kindergartners, y'all are so precious." And it would give me away because they're like, "You're definitely not from here. <laughs> You're not from here." Okay, so speaking of Lafayette, though, you have also been appointed on two boards, right, at the Lafayette Parish Consolidated Government. Is this all correct? On... No, just one board. Just one, um, okay. And that is the Lafayette Science Museum. So, so how did that happen? That. Yeah, because I, listen, I love, I'm a geek about the Science Museum. <laughs> and even as an adult, I think I did like a music, I did, I did a music event at the Children's Science Museum in Lafayette, which was like in 2013. It was a long time ago. But um, I think it's really amazing because you are, you're not just a teacher in the classroom, but you're bringing education from, like you said, like from the, the community to the classroom. So how did this come to be? Well, this kind of is, I guess, it goes with the closing of the rec centers. Um, Our current mayor president um, also closed the Science Museum. The Science Museum is actually the only thing in this area that is dedicated to children and learning. So I was even more irate at the fact that not only are you closing the rec centers, but now you're also closing the Science Museum. So what can I do to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem? Instead of just saying that I disagree with this decision, I, I think that we should continue to invest in our children and in the education system what can I possibly do and I saw that this appointment had became available and I applied and I called um, my district representative my councilman I called everyone that I possibly could and I really tried to advocate for myself of why I should be appointed to this particular board and so for me my biggest thing is I don't want the science museum to ever be on the chopping block again right now it's temporarily closed um, pending the budget that they are going to 
create, but it's a possibility that it's going to stay closed. I actually don't start my appointment until December, the end of December, okay. going into 2021. But my biggest goal is making sure that we're finding private funding so that we never have to be in the position again where we're closing something that can be so beneficial to our students, especially our students on the north side of town. Uh, a lot of students that experience poverty, in order for them to be successful, they have to be hands-on. They have to be those tactile learners, and they have to be able to explore. And the Science Museum gives them the opportunity in which to do so. And it just doesn't have to be students learning science. They can be learning math. English and reading is a part of every single subject. So mm -hmm. if we want to continue to advance our students so that you know they're graduating high school, hopefully attending local colleges and universities, and giving them a reason in which to stay in Lafayette, then we have to be educating them um, as young as primary all the way to 12th grade. Right. And I remember those experiences going to the zoo, going to the science museum, you know, going to the planetarium. Like, I just can't imagine yes. closing those institutions. You know, that's wow. So part of I, I, I'm not sure which came first. So you tell us. But with the appointments that you have, you were part of um, a leadership, was it like an institute, the Leadership Institute of Acadiana? Yes. Was that part of the appointment or was that something separate that you were involved in? No, that's something separate that I applied for uh, last year. Oh, wow. And we actually started the process at the beginning of the year. And that whole academy has been um, a great experience because it's given me the opportunity to meet more like-minded people. There's a lot of people within our area that want change, that want to bring diversity and uh, equity um, and inclusion to our specific area. There's a lot of people um, in various age groups of they come from different cultures, different ethnicities that want to be able to see Lafayette move forward and get out of, you know, the stigma of only, you know, white men are able to be in leadership positions right. or you have to live on the south side in order to gain um, a better educational experience or to be able to be academically advanced. Right. So um, I've learned a lot of things by being a part of that particular academy and its overall goal is to help develop leaders who will be able to put their feet on the pavement and really create change within the community. And do you feel like there's a, a lot of representation of people of color or of women? This um, year that I've been a part of leadership, this has been the most minorities that they've had in the Leadership Academy. Wow. So I think that is what has caused the stir of people are just being tired of sick and tired. And of course, everyone, like you said, we love Lafayette, we love New Orleans, we love all these places, but then how are we going to get people to stay? How right. are we going to get them to stay besides giving them more money? Because we see, even though people love these places, like I said earlier, I lived in New um, in Houston for four years and you know because I lived there I kind of questioned my decision sometimes about living there because there was so much change that needed to occur within Lafayette so I came back and I, I've been trying to create that change uh, for our students for the future of Lafayette right. but how are we going to be able to keep somebody like me or you or anybody else here right. where are going to be those educational and those career opportunities where are those going to be the um, economical uh, aspects. How are you going to be able to keep your 
your brightest and your most talented people here in Lafayette so that it can continue to grow. So I think that has uh, been the biggest thing in leadership is us coming together as a whole, trying to figure out how can we continue to improve the city and be able to keep the, you know, the brightest and the best here to continue to grow the city. So this particular year, like I said, um, I believe it's six of us. And this is the most um, minorities that they've ever had. That's amazing. Well, you definitely sound like someone who's very comfortable, you know, in different settings with different people of different backgrounds. Did that take you a while to get to that place where you're like, you know what, I don't I'm going to apply for this. I'm going to apply for this appointment. I'm going to apply for this experience. Like there are so many people who might be listening, you know, and who will take away from this. Like, wow, she really just wanted to do it and did it. (laughs) But did it take you a while to get that confidence? Because you sound extremely comfortable, you know? I don't even think that I'm comfortable or confident. I just am at the point where it's like, I'm tired. So then if I'm not doing anything, if I'm not being proactive, then I'm a part of the problem. So I'm just trying to make sure that I'm using whatever resource or knowledge that I have to be um, an effective change agent, to make sure that I'm a part of learning from different people. I -hmm. think that um, I grew up on the north side of Lafayette, so, and then I went to an HBCU, so I didn't know different minority groups. I just knew black, white, that was it, and then the majority of my life, I was surrounded by African Americans, so how can I change that? How can I be able to go into these different groups to be able to listen, to be able to share, you know, what my plight may be, what my community plight may be, and then be able to get as Um, much resources or knowledge that I can to be able to help as many people as possible. So I don't know if that's confidence, but it's just, (laughs) you know, wanting to create that change. And, you know, a lot of us are at the point where we're completely discouraged. And it's not necessarily just within my city, that's within the country. You know, we may be discouraged with the leadership that we're having you know, from the White House or the leadership that we may be having at a state level. So how can we change these things? Yes, you can vote, but then what can you do more than that? What is is your gift or your talent that you can use in which to create change? And that's how I see it. Ah, so what was your gift and talent? I, I don't know, I guess education. Yeah. I, I really see our kids struggle in the classroom. I really see, you know, out of all of my best friends that I have gone to school with, I'm the only one still in life yet. Yeah. Um, oh, and I have one other friend. But, yeah. you know, she's kind of like, she's at the point where she wants to go. And, you know, we we all went to college. We came back and we felt like we were hitting a glass ceiling yeah. where we could not advance anymore career-wise or we could not learn anymore. So that is when you start to lose people. So how can we completely shatter that ceiling so that people again want to stay and not just come and visit when we have a festival or Mardi Gras how do we get the people to really stay and grow roots here in this community right I think that's amazing and and I'm I want to learn more too about your nonprofit. is that kind of where the nonprofit was born the educational dreamer yes okay can you tell us about it just from your words like how did it come to be and what is your goal with the educational dreamer 
So it kind of was the same thing, you know, just seeing how much our minority students struggle within this community and within this state. Um, we vary education-wise, like sometimes we're last, sometimes we're second to last, sometimes we're third to last. Yeah. That is not good enough for Always me. close to you last. Know, <laughs> right. right. You know, we should be closer, you know, if not in the middle, we're trying to get to that very number one spot where we're saying we're doing everything we possibly can to advance every group. Uh, regardless if that is going to be the minorities, if that's going to be special education, whatever that may be, every group is going to continue to grow. And that starts really at the primary level, being able to have programs where students are learning um, hands-on at a very young age as that brain is developing and growing. Mm -hmm. So the educational dream just came about because I saw so many disparities within the public school system. I seen great differences between the school on the north side and the south side. Mm -hmm. I saw a great difference of educational attainment from when I lived in Houston to moving here and how advanced Houston was in comparison to Lafayette and in comparison to Louisiana as a whole. Wow. And some of these things that I'm you know, describing for Lafayette, I saw the same things when I was in Houston. Mm -hmm. And it's that my, our minority students, there is a thing called an opportunity or an achievement gap because we're coming from different um, cultures, we're coming from different cultures, we're mm -hmm. coming from different uh, socioeconomic backgrounds, we're coming um, from different uh, areas where the vernacular is going to be different. So how do we close that gap? And that goes back to what we started, we uh, were talking about earlier as far as standardized tests are concerned. That's st those standardized tests only are touching on one particular gender, one particular culture. It's not covering all culture or ethnicity groups. Mm. So what can we do to continue to close that gap so that gap is no more? So that is what the educational dreamer is. It's creating educational opportunities for our students. So like earlier, I, um, before the, actually the weekend before <laughs> everything got shut down for the pandemic, I had an HBCU college fair. I had oh, wow. someone come down from the state and talk about how to gain financial aid. I had had um, a former um, scholarship judge and English teacher come in and teach students how to write an effective scholarship essay. Wow. So we had all of these things going on. We had alumni that came and talked about their educational experiences at an HBCU, just trying to open our students' minds to all of the possibilities that are out there. Because you mm. mentioned this as well earlier, if these students are only experiencing poverty or they only see certain things, they may not think that they're capable of getting out of this environment or being able to achieve more or seeing how their commitment is going to pay off in the long run mm. so these opportunities that i've been creating through the educational dreamer i think have been very beneficial for our children no i'm I absolutely has been and i think schools you know sometimes are limited with the resources that they yes. have and to have a program that can come in and basically feed the kids what they need so that they can feel encouraged and they can feel aware because i think that exposure is so it's so important and it can really help a kid. Just the other yes. day, I had, um, I showed a property, I'm a realtor now, but I, I showed a property and it was to a family and there was this little boy, he was so cute. And he was like, just out of nowhere, he was like, well, who's your boss? And I was like, oh, well, you know, right now I'm working for myself, I'm doing this or that. He was like, he, the look on his face was just like, what? <laughs> 
that's a yeah. thing you can do that and it just it reminded me of the number of kids who don't even really know all of their options like and he's yeah. young so thankfully you know he's little he's gonna learn but there are so many kids even in high school that you know i've talked to here just locally and just you know and they're like oh yeah i've never been to such and such and i'm like really it's like down the street oh yeah i've right. never been like i live here yeah but i've never been in, i've never gone my, my school's never brought me there so you know to be able to bring those experiences in and continue to do so i mean even through this pandemic do you feel like you'll still be able to do some of your programming well that's the hope um <laughs> I mean, We're I saw you giving out masks. I mean, that's freaking amazing. Yes, that just was another thing. You know, it's, it's a, the opening of school, you know, people see that, oh, my child is just going to get COVID. And yes, I'm completely aware that, you know, children can become infected, including myself. Yeah. I'm actually very concerned about our students as well as my safety. But at the same time, I know a lot of students who are going to be physically, socially, emotionally safer at school. Yeah. You know, I see what are going to be the benefits of students being in the classroom. And then I also see the health aspect as well. So I don't think that any decision is going to be the right decision. Yeah. I think that at some point, we're going to lose some students, regardless if that is going to be, you know, God forbid, losing their life because of COVID or yeah. if it's going to be losing them education wise. But I think, um, you know, the hindsight to this is we can work hard to catch you up as much as possible academically. But if you fall ill or you pass away, there's nothing that I can do to continue to help you. Right. So right. It's, this has been a very difficult decision. I don't think people really realize that. And I don't think people understand how there's not really a right answer in order to open up schools. But um, knowing that school was going to open, especially within my community, the population in which I serve, I knew that my students were not going to be prepared in which to fight against COVID. Yeah. So I just started going out there asking whoever would listen for masks, um, regardless if that was disposable, if that was cloth masks, hand sanitizers, antibacterial wipes. And I just started collecting them. And uh, I was grateful enough that I had support from all over the country. I received donations from California. Um, I received donations from Texas, just people that wanted to be involved in what I was trying to do for our students, as we are all aware of the dangers that they await um, in the classroom for us. And it's very right. difficult to fight against COVID because I call it the invisible enemy. We cannot see it, but we can do whatever we can to protect ourselves and protect our children. So we collected so much that we were able to give away 400 of bags that wow. included anywhere from four to five masks, hand sanitizers, and antibacterial wipes uh, for students, uh, kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. Oh my God. <laughs> right here is where I'm going to insert like the crowd cheering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's amazing. So, uh, okay, well, yeah, I'm not even going to go. Uh, that, yeah, kudos to you guys. That's crazy. That's a lot of, of supplies. I mean, I could not have 
done that, you know, without, like I said, donations. I just had people that were more so, I can't get to the store right now, or I don't know where I can get this, but I'm willing to send you money. Right. And I was just so appreciative that people trust me enough to know that I was going to do right by this money. And right. I was just so excited. Even the day of, I had um, former classmates that were showing up with donations, um, antibacterial wipes, hand sanitizers. So we were able to put even more in the bags to give, you know, to the families that came uh, right. through the drive-through for the uh, baggies. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on helping yes, change so the much. world. <laughs> <laughs> now, is this also um, is the the educational dreamer another part of the? And let me know if I'm saying this wrong. Is it Ed D series? Yes, it's okay. the uh, EDD series or the Ed series. It actually is short for the Educational Dreamer. Oh, um, okay. So the educational part is the ED, and then the D comes from a Dreamer. Gotcha. So they're one and the same. Um, for legal purposes, they had to be two different names. But I really wanted to, in one place, like the Educational Dreamer, be able to create opportunities for our students in which for them to be successful, giving them every tool that they possibly need so that they can develop their character, their academic, their social skills, their emotional skills, all of the above. But then the EDD series or the Ed series, I really look into, okay, I've taken care of the children, but let me be able to look at the other part of the other people that are considered stakeholders. So that's looking at the school districts, that's looking at parents, that's looking at educational leaders. I'm someone who has always worked in Title I schools with at how can I work with you to help you better understand how to understand our students and how to teach our students what are going to be more effective ways so that they can be able to grow academically socially emotionally so that's what I've been doing with um, that aspect really working within the community I was hosting um, once a month ed talks and in those ed talks I was really teaching parents business owners whoever would come coaches teachers if they were willing to learn teaching them how to deal with those students who may have social or behavioral issues Uh, really giving them different strategies that they can use within the classroom so that our students are going to be more attentive to what they are actually teaching. So I'm just trying to make sure with um, the Ed uh, series as well as the Educational Dreamer, I'm touching as many people as possible. So all stakeholders have to be involved in order for us to have that educational change that we need. Right. That's amazing. And that's something that you're able to do within the school as well? Or you do this like um, at different centers? How do you usually... I, do, I usually do it at the library. Um, oh. And then I've had the opportunity um, to be, like, guest speakers at different events. Wow. And it's really just sharing my experience, you know, seeing what is really effective and what is not. You know, yeah. this is not a just, you know, one trick that is going to completely cure the system. Right. But it's going to feel your toolbox is going to give you a better understanding so that you can be able to comprehend and create plans that are going to be effective for the students that you know are for your children. And you find that a lot of teachers are receptive, like they're really taking it in? The ones that want to learn, and that's the thing, like I, I don't 
really force this on anyone. Um, but all of the places that I have been invited to, like Boys and uh, Girls Club of Acadiana, um, being able to go with uh, different mentoring groups and uh, be able to speak with kids about self-affirmations and ways in which they can develop their personal character. Mm -hmm. What I see is that I'm always uh, with an audience that wants to learn. So mm -hmm. it makes a whole, you know, big difference or it makes the difference mm -hmm. um, that these people actually want to learn of how to be better educators, better people so that they can help, you know, mold young students. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So how can people find out more about it with a website or social yeah, so I have a website. Um, it's the T H E um, E D D series. So, um, or they can um, the same panhandle. They can contact me um, on Instagram, and I also have a Facebook page, and that is the Educational Dream. Okay, and I'm gonna share all of your links too, so folks can um, find out more information because it's really really cool. So one of the things that I noticed that um, in your advocate interview, they asked you, what advice would you give your younger self? And you said to believe in yourself. So I'm not going to ask yes. you the same question, but kind of a spin off of that question. It's a complete the sentence. OK, I'm putting you to work. Uh -huh. okay. <laughs> OK, it's I wish I knew blank when I was blank. I wish I would know more about um how to navigate through school or college. So for example, the uh, opportunities that the kids have now, they have the opportunity to go and earn an associate degree while they're in high school. Mm. I would have loved that opportunity. Wow. Or uh, I would have known, I probably would have spent two years at a community college first before transferring to a university to save on money and to save on time. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot we didn't know. <laughs> right. And it's a lot of things, you know, we're still young. Like, you know, we're 30, 31. But even during that time of when we graduated high school to now, things have completely changed. Right. And more opportunities have become available. So I think um, just believing in myself more, believing um, in my talent and what I can do, not being afraid of the word no, mm, are some of the things that one. I would, you know, tell my younger self. Because, you know, even during the process when I was asking for donations for my PPE drive, there was a lot of people who tried to discourage me and say, well, oh, this big business is going to do it. Or, you know, why are you doing this? We might not even be able, we might not be able to go back to school. So yeah. I, I hit a lot of doors, but I felt like for every door that was slammed in my face, I had 20 doors that opened. Wow. So, you know, not being afraid of rejection or not being afraid of the word no. And just knowing that everything that we think we want is not necessarily in our best interest or what we do need mm -hmm. so having that patience and being okay with rejection and saying okay there must be something greater for me let me continue to learn and perfect my craft right wow that's a good one not being afraid of no I'm gonna use that thank you <laughs> <laughs> somebody's gonna say yes. I mean, even if they don't 
don't. You know, um, last night I was watching the Democratic Convention, and Bernie Sanders said, you know, when I first came out with these ideas, people thought it was radical. People thought it was crazy. Like, how dare he think of these things and try to change it? And now we're at the point where, you know, our Democrat uh, nominee, Joe Biden, he's saying that these are things that we're going to put into practice. If I'm elected president, these are things that are going to occur. So he was just basically saying, you know, you can be the radical one. You can be the one that is going to create change and people are going to say how crazy this may be. But then five, ten years from now, that may be the norm. Right. And you have to be true to yourself. You know, started all of this. Right. Never be afraid of that no. If not, you go get the resources and you make it happen. Right. And on that note, I mean, his running mate is our sorority sister. So, of course, I'm going to bring that up. (laughs) Of course, I'm going to bring up the beautiful, wonderful, all amazing Kamala Harris. (laughs) But one of the things that I like that you said in in regards to a lot of the feedback that people have, you know, of course, as a a black community, we're going to feel a certain way about any candidate up there. Um, We're going to probably dissect everything they do and everything they say mm-hmm. and and that's fair that's fair that we mm-hmm. should be paying attention but i like I what agree. you said about this and and i'm gonna just read what you said it said who child some of you have no idea how political parties or <laughs> politics work and it shows no candidate will be perfect candidates are allowed to change their political views no candidate will ever be 100 percent for one particular race or culture and they shouldn't be the president is a mere face that is controlled by other branches of the government, which is why you should vote for every election. If you're saying you're not voting because you don't like the Democratic candidate, you just gave a vote to the Republican candidate who is up for re-election. So I thought that was poignant. I thought it was perfectly said. What are your thoughts on how people have responded to her? Do you think we're going to make it? <laughs> Please, we got to make it. <laughs> oh, Lord, we have to make it. We I just gotta make think it. that... It goes back to what you just said. Everybody has a right in which to criticize or critique, right? But my issue is when people started to uh, disrespect her, try to tear down her character, these two things are completely different. And I believe that, um, you know, people were like, oh, you know, she sent hundreds of black men to jail. She did. That Mm -hmm. is something that is factual. That is something that I don't necessarily agree with from her past as, you know, assistant district attorney. But my even bigger issue is it's not it's not Miss Harris because she was doing her job. It's the system. system. Yeah. But if we continue to elect people who do not see a problem with the system, i.e. our current president, well, then how can the system ever be changed? And even throughout her, if you look at her political career, she has completely changed her thoughts and ideas from when she originally became um, the ADA. So I think we need to be able, I mean, even Joe Biden, if you look at Joe Biden's history to where we are now, his political views have changed. I mean, even me as a teacher, my beliefs, you know, as an educator, as a human, as yeah. a woman, has evolved over the years. The more I learn, the more I grow. Right. So I would hope that someone is not judging me based on something that I did in 2007. Right. And we should not be the same person 
you know, that we were last year or the year before because we should be constantly trying to evolve ourselves and be the best version of ourselves that we can be. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, people see a lot of issues wrong with her or with him, but I am willing to make that sacrifice or willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and put them in office and see what they can do because our current president has already proved that he is not capable right. Of that's the thing you, you have two options you have the option of what you already know or you have the option to have faith and hope and believe that with Correct. the people around them and with the state of the world as it is right now and with social media holding everybody accountable to the 10th degree that yes. you have a better chance clearly <laughs> with, yes. with biden harris than the current situation so we know that and I like that you said that, you know, all they're missing is you as the secretary of education. So is that <laughs> is that what's next? Is that is that where we're headed? Maybe one day. Maybe. I, mean, I absolutely <laughs> would love it. I mean, again, the person that is in office not right now, um, she has no idea how to run. Oh, my and, and God. It's embarrassing. Too. Yes, it, it really it really is um, that she has even been put into this position where she has no knowledge of how a public school system operates. Sure, um, she has never all. worked with children. Um, she does not have an education degree. She has no experience whatsoever to make her a good fit for that particular position. And it's affecting our students, right. which means that it's going to eventually affect the economy. So I think that, you know, we just need to stay mindful of the people that we listen to. We need to be more responsible and find out factual information from um, credible resources. YouTube is not an, a credible site that we should be gathering information from. Right. And we need to be doing what we can within our community to fight against the powers that may be that are trying to destroy our future. Right. And that's when I say our future, I mean it as minorities. I mean it as communities. It's so the future of the United States of America. Right. You know, so we have to be willing to pull together and work together. And as I said before, neither Joe Biden or Miss um, Harris are going to be my favorite. Right. But this is all a chess game. Neither one or no candidate that we're ever going to have is going to be perfect. And I think that Joe Biden did very well. He said day one, if he was to become the primary candidate, he was going to make sure his vice president was a woman. And I think that he cannot ignore the fact that women, especially African-American women, Mm -hmm. have completely ruled politics and at different levels right now. Oh my so God, the women are killing move. it. Yes. <laughs> the I, I women mean, are so killing it. They need yes, us. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, yes. can you and imagine people, what this world would be like? We'd all just be blown up by now. It would be, it would be over. Well, I mean, New Zealand is going to be a primary example. They have a leader who is a woman and it's like Corona has never happened. Right. They are fully functioning. Um, unemployment rate is back down to 2%. Schools, colleges, everything is open 100%. Wow. Well, we have so much learning and developing to do. Yes. So much. Yes. We need we need black voices. We need women voices. We need other yes. minority voices as well. I can only speak for myself Creating as a black the woman. Diversity. But yes. yeah, we have to. And our kids need to see a world in which we listen to each other. And we actually want to understand, you know, that's, I think, a big wall right now is that people, there's a a lot of people, not all, 
really to me not even most people but there's a fraction who can poison the rest in a way because they just aren't willing to listen and they're not willing to learn and really just admit what they see to me it's like it's kind of obvious here um but yeah I I appreciate you so much all your words of wisdom and before you go I just have a couple of closing out questions that I ask everyone so if you don't mind sharing something that you're watching reading or listening to right now something that's been maybe really entertaining for you or inspirational for you anything from books music tv movies what's kind of your happy place right now so the semester just ended for me so i've been like sleeping which i've been so excited about Um, but uh something that i recently watched tears in my eyes black is king by beyonce was absolutely amazing amazing Um, it it gave me more pride it just made my little heart swell up tears in my eyes loved it um and i also listened uh to the first episode of michelle obama's podcast Mm. as well so just trying to you know find that that sense of inspiration that sense of what more can i do where can i get that fuel to continue burning this fire within me so both of those things have been a good inspiration to me yeah i've watched it a couple times so far i have a few more times to watch I love Black is King. I'm I'm a big yeah, advocate so for black good. men to watch it, for black children to watch it. Um, just because it's inspiring and it's also it's artistic. It is so creative. Yes. Oh my god, the images yes. and the dance and the oh it just makes you want to dress up every day and just be fly, but yes. <laughs> and yes, all yes. your black magic. Um, and very last question, what is your mantra? Like is there a particular phrase or or scripture, or something that you say to yourself that just keeps you motivated? Um, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> um, well, I would probably have to say my favorite scripture that I constantly, like, remind myself of is Jeremiah 20, 29 and 11, for I know the plans I have for you that said the Lord. So I kind of use that, like, all of this, all of the ideas that, you know, I feel like, you know, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm writing down ideas or all Mm. of this hard work that I'm putting in, all of this going to be worth it one day. And hopefully it's inspiring other people to get involved as well and follow their heart's desires so that not only can they can create change, but they could be a trailblazer in whatever career or pathway they may be on so that they can inspire others to live their truth and to be happy in whatever they're doing. Oh, that's so sweet. No, I love that. And that was, give me that scripture again. That was Jeremiah. I'm going to write this down for myself. 29 and 11. 29 and 11. Yes. I got to print that out and put that on my board in front of me. I have a couple of different ones that I have in front of me and like my little um, mantras, but I love that one. I know the plans I made for you. Well, Brandy, thank you so much. I really appreciate thank you. For you. Me. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I'm glad. I'm so glad. And you shared with us a lot. Y'all make sure to um, follow and and how can they get in touch with you about your um, public speaking and things like that? How should they reach you? 
that's through the website as well. Okay. Um, the EDDSeries.com, okay. or they can contact me via uh, email, and it's the EDDSeries at gmail.com. Got it. Perfect. Well, there you have it. Episode 23 of Say With Your Breast podcast. It has been wonderful being your host so far, and I look forward to all of our episodes to come. Thank you again so, so much for tuning in. Until next time, peace and love. If I think of my life, as a class and what I've really learned. I've learned a few things. First, I'm, I'm aware that I'm a child of God. It's such a, an amazing understanding to think that the it, which made fleas and mountains and rivers and stars made me. What I pray for is humility, to know that there is something greater than I. Then I have to know that the brute, the bigot, and the batterer are all children of God, whether they know it or not. And I'm supposed to treat them accordingly. And it's hard, and I blow it all the time. <laughs> Mongrel class of people! I'd like everybody to think of a statement by Terence. The statement is, I am a human being. Nothing human can be alien to me. If you can internalize the least portion of that, you will never be able to say of, a, of an act, a criminal act, or oh, I couldn't do that. No matter how heinous the crime, if a human being did it, you have to say, I have in me all the components that are in her or in him. I intend to use my energies constructively as opposed to destructively. If you can do that about the negative, just think what you can do about the positive. If a human being dreams a great dream, dares to love somebody, if a human being dares to be Martin King or Mahatma Gandhi or Mother Teresa or Malcolm X, if a human being dares to be bigger than the condition into which she or he was born, it means so can you. And so, you can try to stretch, stretch, stretch yourself. So you can internalize, ah, homo sum, humani nihila me alienum puto. I am a human being. Nothing human can be alien to me. That's one thing I'm learning.